on today's episode of the Blue Bloods. We're entering our last full week of college football. And honestly, this is the part of the year where I start to get a little scared. Uh, really, I just don't know what I'm going to do without constant football for a few months. But I mean, anyway, on this episode, we have our pick six recap or pick nine recap, whatever you want to call it. Uh, first team all decade for two more positions. Uh, we're almost done with that, by the way. And we are going to wrap it up with a little review of players that have declared for the draft or have decided to stay or whatever. We're just talking about that situation altogether. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and kick this episode off. So to go ahead and kick off our pick six recap uh, for this well for this episode anyway I was going to say this week but I think we have more than one uh, we have Western Kentucky uh, playing Western Michigan in the first responder bowl and this game surprised me I didn't think this game was going to come down to a last second field goal yeah definitely not especially you know when Western Kentucky really didn't have anything going until the fourth quarter uh, I mean. The offense was just non-existent. And, you know, especially a freshman kicker who kicked his career long to win the game, too. I mean, that's he, nuts. The, I mean, kid, the kick, yard field goal in college. Yeah, I mean, the, the kid came in clutch, man. I mean, and he that was the – I mean, he also hit, what, a 31-yarder. I mean, he was, what, three for three this game? I mean, I mean that's pretty solid. killing him. Yeah, I mean, the kicker literally probably won this game. On his own. I mean, he missed one, too. So, he had four attempts, made three of them. That's fine. We'll, we'll give it to you, man. You're a true freshman. Not holding you to the, you know, the peak here. But, I mean, Ty Story came through again, too. I mean, this is the kid. We highlighted him earlier this year when Western Kentucky upset Arkansas. He's an Arkansas transfer, so he's has SEC talent. He threw for over 350 yards, but he had two costly interceptions that really kept Western Michigan in the game. Is Arkansas talent really SEC talent? Let's debate. Well, he, I mean, I, he, he had offers from other SEC schools. He just chose to go to Arkansas. And then he chose to transfer out of Arkansas? That's yeah, not. because he lost the starting job to um, that kid that transferred in. Well, well, I bet they wish they had him in that game. Anyway, um, this is the game we've been waiting for all year long, Zach. Uh, the spread was, <laughs> was Western Kentucky minus three. And it was perfect. This is our first push game that we've covered. You love to see it. Um, well, not not if you bet on the game. But I'll have to. I'll have to go. Game, <laughs> I'll have to go it. back. I think I called that, bro. I really did. I called a few pushes. I swear this around. is one. Of the, you've been throwing I around have. nothing. I have because I picked Western Kentucky. Yeah, um, I did too. I believe. No, you picked Western Michigan, man. Oh, that's, it's, that's, that's okay. Nuts. That's nuts. It's okay. Okay, whatever. I don't know why you picked Western Michigan, but you indeed did. But I mean, I, did. I mean, wow. West- that's not, I looked back through my notes. I, I for sure did. I, I definitely was not lying. Like I wasn't <laughs> tell. I, like I, I'm here, bro. I managed social media accounts. Here I am. I got the picks down. But I mean, really and truly, I don't think it was a bad pick to pick Western Michigan. They played a decent game. 
They just they, they really didn't have much explosion though. I mean, they're leading rusher sixty yards on eighteen attempts. That's that's a lot of attempts to just get sixty yards. Quarterback had under two hundred yards on almost forty attempts. A touchdown interception, a QBR thirty eight. I mean, I don't think you're going to win like that personally, and especially against a Western Kentucky team that's putting up major yards. I know we've done this a few times now. Um, I still don't know. Do you know how to calculate QBR? And this isn't even like a joke at this point. This is just – I'm legitimately <laughs> curious. Do you know how to do it, or is it just me who does it? I, I do not have the formula. but oh, I, so I you can, just, you're just looking at it. Oh, that's not nearly as cool as I thought it was. Well, I mean, I know the purpose of QBR was to put – because, you know, the old quarterback rating was wild. Like, you could have a QBR of like 300 back in the day. And, I mean, you still okay. can if you don't use QBR, but it's like the quarterback rating. They wanted to put bring that scale into a scale of 1 to 100 so it would be easier to compare performances to quarterbacks. But I don't even think the people who calculate QBR know how it's calculated. Well, then what's the point of like a of a uh, passer rating? Because like a perfect passer rating is 158.3. I know that. Yeah, so a perfect QBR would be 100, right? I guess. Yeah, but, like, we've seen backups have a QBR for 100 with, like, who go one for one for, like, nine yards. I mean, is that really 100? I mean, we should – we like, you know, you got on to me for giving a lot of tens out when we were doing coaching carousels. I feel like that's just giving out 100 QBRs right there. Yeah, like, I'd be mad at that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I, I think they're too lenient. I mean, if you compare Ty's story to John uh, Wasnick, I mean – 19 for 36, 193, a touchdown interception, had a QBR of 38 on the losing team. I mean, uh, that's, that's all right. I mean, I don't know. Would you give that a 38? No, see, like, that's better than the one for one for nine yards, I think. Maybe. <laughs> and then you had Ty Story. I mean, 35 for 51, pretty good. 358, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and that gets you a D, barely barely passing yeah like he he would not get credit for that class if this was a college class <laughs> he didn't i mean take that next and, semester yeah and poor western michigan quarterback dude like you might just need to drop out of college if you make a 38s in classes <laughs> i mean th- this is not good i don't know i guess they're trying to be it's a weird scale because like they're really really not strict when it comes to like backup quarterbacks but then like if you're Ty story throwing for almost 400 yards they're just like oh Two interceptions, D at max. Right. No, I, I, okay. I don't know. So uh, that's enough of that. Let's. So this game was really. I mean, it was a good game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys. Like, I watched this entire game, but uh, I mean, I turned it. I, I turned it on for parts of it. Uh, I mean, this game was just neck to neck the entire time. So uh, this is what you love to see over your New Year's, I guess, week. I was going to say weekend, but I guess New Year's was on like a, on like a Wednesday this year. So uh, what more can you ask for out of Monday football? Yeah, in, in the middle of the day, too. At like I 11 a.m. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you did get to see Lucky Jackson. Love the name. Uh, Western Kentucky's, you know, leading receiver. 17 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. Right. Yeah, it's Dude, 17 catches? That is asinine. How in the world is that? Is that even allowed? I I don't know. I guess I guess when your quarterback throws the ball fifty-one times, like someone's going to get it that many. Well, that's I guess that's like that's like half of his uh, completions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, amazing game by him. And I mean, 
Uh, Western Kentucky, the only reason I picked them is I thought their offense was going to be able to score enough. Barely, I guess. Yeah, I didn't also account for Ty Story throwing two interceptions, but they pulled they pulled out a close one. I mean, both these teams put on a hell of a performance. I'm sure they both were excited to actually be in a bowl game, though. Oh, yeah, you, you have to. Well, Western Kentucky's been in bowl games for the past couple seasons. Uh, I know that as a uh, Southern Mississippi fan. Um, they, they like to win the Conference USA, and they like to beat Southern. So that's a lot of fun for me. I can't uh, wait to cover that bowl game. No, I mean, can we? If we don't have to, we don't. I mean, we don't have to. Anyway, <laughs> on to our next matchup, we have the Music City Bowl. Uh, that was between Mississippi State and Louisville, and Jesus I Christ. did have Louisville on this one, Zach. Uh, I yeah, you had State yeah. No, no, we both had Louisville. Uh, okay, well, because because we both took we, we both took Louisville after um, Garrett Schrader, you know, got his face broken. That was it by his own team. Yeah, by, by, by the guy who literally led Mississippi State in tackles. He had 11 solo tackles, uh, Willie Gay Jr. I mean, he was all over the field. And I want to – you know, Mississippi State had a lot of defense players that had big games. I want to point out uh, Kobe Jones, two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. I mean, all over the field. I, I mean, they had a few players. I mean, for a defensive end, man, he was in the backfield a lot. Um. But outside of that, they really didn't slow down uh, Mikael uh, Cunningham ever. I mean, almost 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a 90 QBR. I'll take it. Uh, that's an A performance. He had a 12.1 compl- like compl- like average completion. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And I'll tell you who didn't play a horrible game like we both thought he would. Tommy Stevens comes out here, three total touchdowns, two passing, one rushing. Uh, with with 221 passing yards and 71 rushing yards, that's ins- I mean, he had as many rushing attempts as he did as he did completed catches. Yeah, uh, I mean, he he played one hell of a game, and I think it also went down to Colin Hill not being fully healthy and just being shut down. Seven carries for only three yards, and this was the guy that led the SEC in rushing up to the midway point of the year. Yeah, no, I mean. You're right. Uh, is there any update on uh, on Garrett Schrader and the face situation? Did we ever figure out what was said? No, 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 no details came out. Apparently, uh, Mr. State Secretary. Yeah, I mean, I guess this would be. We don't have coaching carousel today, but Joe Moorhead was fired. Weird, right? Um, a day or two ago, and the, I mean, just really? out of nowhere. This is what second year. I, I think so. Yeah, because Dan Mullen left two years ago, and he got hired. Yeah. And Mississippi and, State fans were not happy. They did not want him gone. Well, no. I mean, he was doing all right recruiting. I mean, yeah. like, it just can we take a deep breath? But uh, I cracked up the, do you want to know who uh, is the leading candidate for Mississippi State right now? Oh, God, who? Gene Chizik, the no Auburn way. head coach. No way. If you guys don't know who Gene Chizik is, he was the head coach for Auburn when they had Cam Newton. He's done, he had like, two. He's finished, like, running for governor in Alabama. No, that's Tuberville. That's Tuberville. Ah, another guy. Gotcha. Yeah, right now Gene Chizik's an announcer for SEC Network. Uh, but Gene Chizik uh, went two, had two eight and five years, the undefeated year with Cam Newton, and then he went three and nine and got fired from Auburn. That was it. Okay, I knew, I knew he was an old Auburn head coach. Uh, I know you guys have a lot of them in the past couple of years because I mean y'all suck, but. Other than that, what? Uh, well, <laughs> what are you even talking about? <laughs> I'm just talking from Minnesota's perspective. We'll get to that 
yeah, I guess some other day, but okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, we'll get there. Don't worry about it. But I, I was impressed with uh, JV and Hawkins too. I mean, over a hundred yards rushing, a touchdown, and between him and Cunningham, they Mississippi State couldn't get them off the field, and they could not stop this Louisville team from scoring. No, they couldn't. I mean, and that's that's something to say after Mississippi State goes up fourteen to nothing, you know, at the, the beginning of the second quarter. I mean, then what? Uh, I think that Louisville scored thirty-one unanswered points after that. Yeah, and crazy. after I mean, and really, Mississippi State didn't even get to twenty-eight till under un, under a minute left. They scored in jump time, so it really was not even close after you know after halftime. Louisville really put this game away, and they made a statement outgaining Mississippi State by, you know, almost 200 yards, controlling the time of possession. And I, I was really impressed with Louisville. We both picked them because we had no faith in Tommy Stevens, but I, I think Louisville is on the right path. I, I think they found their head coach, you know, after Petrino left, and I think Louisville could be a sneaky good team in the coming years. Yeah, I think so too. It's, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see this how this team's bounced back, you know, after Petrino left, um, and you know, uh, of course, after Lamar uh, Jackson's gone, uh, what were they last year? I mean, I know they had a losing record. They were like three and nine, right? Yeah, they, they didn't play very well. Yeah, and that, to bounce back to eight and five, that's pretty good. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll see what happens in the future for them, but uh, it looks pretty bright. So let's go ahead and move on to our next bowl game. We had. What, what what even was this bowl? It was the Red Box Bowl. That's it. Between Ooh. Cal and Illinois. Love it. We don't need to talk about this, I don't think. I had Illinois, and I don't know why I had Illinois, <laughs> but I did. Because you are trash, son. Um, I haven't updated the bowl rankings, but, guys, I promise you me and Brandon don't talk about these games beforehand. And for some reason, after the <laughs> – I mean, after the first few games, we had the exact same pick em record. Uh, in the bowl yeah, game, so we don't pick the same teams. Is the weird thing, like we, yeah, we lost completely different games. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. Uh, is, after the first twenty-one games, we were both fourteen and seven. So <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm like, uh, as and like this bowl season's given me like I don't know if we need to stop picking games or what because it's giving me like anxiety, like like watching these games and just like, like for instance <laughs> the Indiana game and we're not talking about that today, but soon enough. That Indiana game had me like, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was like, I, you know, I'm 23, pretty healthy guy, and I thought that I was going to have a heart attack. Dude, welcome to being an Auburn fan. That is like, I literally, when I die at a crisp young age of 24 next year, just know <laughs> it's because I went through another Auburn football season. There we go. I, I mean, literally, my girlfriend told me she wishes she would have dated someone else just because she hates watching Auburn football because she gets so stressed out. Yeah, see, that's kind of mean, but whatever. Shout out to her. It's but, fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, shout out to her, but uh, she puts up with my stupid self. But, dude, I mean, I picked Cal. Uh, I just – I don't really know why. I wasn't really impressed with Illinois. They had one big win over Wisconsin. But Chase Garbers played out of his mind. And, you know, he had 272, 272 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And they only gave him a mid-B in the QBR, coming back to that. That's BS. That deserved an A, in my opinion. Well, maybe you should like apply for a position, uh, giving teams QBR ratings. Uh, you you'd probably be pretty good at that, I think. But um, maybe well, uh, uh, he'll out tens willy nilly, <laughs> dude. Just just like screw it, just Bo Nix a hundred every week. 
but but yeah, Brandon Peters didn't play a bad game either. He didn't have you know the amount of touchdowns that Garbers had, but I mean he played a decent game. He had the one interception that you know it, it just ha- in a game like that. this when the other yeah when the other quarterbacks throwing four touchdowns, you can't afford to have an interception. No, and no. It, it really cost this team. But I mean, I don't think Illinois played a bad game. I just I, I just don't. I think Cal was the better team. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Cal was a better team here, and you know I, sh- I should have known better. But when I was picking this game, I was like, "Oh, Cal, that's a smart school, bunch of nerds. They're not good at football." Uh, but then I remember the band clip in my head uh, when they returned that kickoff, and I, you know I should have known. You know, if I were, yeah. if, if I would have followed my instincts, then I would have known. But I didn't. <laughs> that's true. And I mean, when you're also the like when you're also not as talented as your opponent, having 10 penalties for almost 100 yards also really, really hurts your case. No, see, that's a tough look for sure. Um, I don't even know what to say about that. It was just it, – it's it's bad. Yeah, and Brandon Peters uh, should not be the leading rusher. I mean, yeah, really? Yeah, they not have like a running back or what was going on there? No, no they do. They're two running backs, Reggie Corbin and Dre Brown – uh, average 2.9 and 3.5 yards respectively. No, oh, well, that's – wow, good. Yeah, not great. And then the, the other rusher, Ravon Bonner, 17 yards. That's it. Yeah, I mean, when your quarterback's your leading rusher, and, he, I mean, he put up 68 yards rushing, is that right? I mean, yep. that's just good luck winning a football game. Uh, but speaking of that, <clears throat> and speaking of uh, your quarterbacks beating your leading rushers and losing football games – we have the Capital One Orange Bowl between Florida and Virginia. Bryce Perkins somehow went off. He was their leading rusher with 24 yards on the ground. What? Well, well, that's a common theme. I mean, how much? How many times have we covered Virginia yards football? Is not, 24 yards isn't a common thing. He usually has like like over 50. Yeah, but we knew Virginia doesn't have a running back. Like we we've known this. Like we've covered them in. Both have picked against them because of that. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean we both picked four in this one. Um, but yeah. I mean, and like I said, Bryce Perkins played out of his mind in this game, and I that's trashed true. him. But on like in the air, this guy. I mean, he went. I mean, I guess he threw forty passes, but he went twenty-eight for forty. I mean, that was better than Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask went twenty-four for thirty-nine, and he had more. Hey, okay. he had more passing yards, more touchdowns, and the same amount of interceptions. Hang on. But look at the QBRs. Ah, <laughs> uh, don't do this to me. What are they? Kyle Trask had a QBR of sixty-nine. Nice. Bryce Perkins had a QBR of fifty-seven. How? That doesn't make sense. How? So, guys, just to highlight this for you, Kyle Trask went twenty-four for thirty-nine. Decent, not bad. Three hundred and five yards, one touchdown, one interception. QBR of sixty-nine, right? Perkins goes 28 for 40. So four more completions on just one more attempt. 323, so over 20 yards more. 8.1 average. Cal Trask only had a 7.8. Four touchdowns and a singular interception, and his QBR was a whole 10 points less at a 57. That's that's stupid. I want to talk talk to whoever decided this QBR rating system. I am so upset. Not right. Oh God! But you know, to get off of that, you know, soapbox. Um, I want to highlight this kid is from our hometown. Uh, I mean, 
it's uh, we've all known about him. I know me and Brandon have known about him for a while. I mean, but we Michael played against P- him in high school. That's guy. yeah, also true at Theodore High School. The Michael Piron is an absolute man, a grown man, son. Thirteen carries, one hundred and thirty-eight yards. That's ten point six average per carry, yeah. and two touchdowns, I mean, and broke just the nastiest sixty-one yard touchdown I've seen. He did. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's why he won the MVP of this game. You know, he got his own little trophy, and I think there may have been oranges in it as well. So that's, you know, sweet yeah, little and, treat for and, him. And not to even uh, – I, I totally forgot to mention, he also caught a touchdown in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, this guy played out of his mind. Um, and to think that he wasn't even really being recruited by Florida to start. I mean, he – he went down to Gainesville on his own dime to go basically to a team tryout. Yep. And he, he, got, he made the team. Yeah, and people forget. So his lead school was Auburn coming out of high school. Auburn told him he was too slow Dude, what? to play there. <laughs> I know they are kicking themselves right now. Yeah, they, I mean, they have to be. But, you know, like, I'm trying to change the narrative of this podcast a little bit, highlight some defensive players. I feel like we got stuck in a rut covering too many offensive players. Virginia's linebacker, Zane uh, Zandier, had a hell of a game, man. 13 total tackles, a few for loss. I mean, the kid was everywhere. He was the leading tackler for either side and all over the field. But even though he had that great performance, still lost because Michael P. Ryan and Kyle Trask put together a really good performance. And I'm actually really excited to see Kyle Trask next year. Uh, coming back into Dan Mullen's system, having a year to grow, having a lot more experience. I mean, he played LSU in Death Valley. He played Auburn when they were a top-ten team. He, pl- he, I mean, he played in the Capital One Orange Bowl. I mean, he played Georgia. I, I don't know any better experience than that, and I cannot wait to see what this kid puts together next year. No, I can't either. I mean, and coming off the bench, I mean, cause what, he's going to be a redshirt senior next year, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be his last season. But, I mean, he, he's had his experience this year. Um, I mean, he's had his experience in the past, what, two seasons playing behind Felipe Franks? Yep. I know he's been there for longer than that, but Felipe Franks has been starting for two seasons before this one. Uh, or really two and a half because he played some of the season. Anyway, so, so he has that experience. I don't know if that's good experience behind Felipe Franks, but it's something – um, but yeah, I, I mean, we've seen what this guy, what this kid can do. And he's just, he's shown us time and time again, that he is a legit quarterback. You know, maybe this game wasn't the greatest indicator of that scoring wise, but I mean, still 24 for 39 with 305 yards. Is impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, no doubt. And I'm, I'm really, really impressed with Dan Mullen. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done with Florida so far. No, he doesn't. I mean, think about what Florida was in the or, or in the couple of years right before they hired him. You know, because Florida was a national contender every single year in the late 2000s. Um, I mean, they were an SEC contender for. I mean, I mean, there was a long stretch there, and then uh, Urban Meyer leaves, and Florida kind of gets into a rut. They hire Dan Mullen, and I mean, to be 11 and two to finish in the top 10 on the year as honorable champions, I mean, in his second season here, that's that's incredible. Well, I mean, last year they were Peach Bowl champions, which is another New Year's Six Bowl, had double-digit wins and finished inside the top ten. So this is two straight years for Dan Mullen doing this. And he like, did it last year with Felipe Franks, man. And these aren't even, like, 
I know I understand some of them are his recruits, but he's playing with like not a young, not a, like a super young team. I mean, Kyle Trask is about to be a fifth year senior. Uh, Michael P. Ryan was a fifth year senior this year. I mean, he's playing with not his recruits. So wait until his recruits get there is what I'm saying. Like, watch out. Yeah. I mean, and they got a hell of a recruiting class coming in. I mean, he, Kyle Trask is going to have so, so many more weapons. Um, I'm not sure. I think – I don't believe uh, Piron has made his decision yet on the NFL. But if he comes back, this team's going to be loaded, and they should really be taken seriously as a threat to win the SEC next year. Uh, can he come back? I thought this, I thought this was his redshirt senior season. Oh, it might have been. I, I thought he was a junior. I could yeah. totally just shot myself <laughs> in the foot on that one. Yeah, I thought he was our age. Anyway, um, yeah, he's a senior. Anyway. Oh, so- that's so – that sucks. Well, I that think he's, he's projected to go in like the first like two or three rounds. He should. I thought he. I, I think he's easily a second round talent. I don't know if he's a first round. That might have to be reserved for people like J.K. Dobbins and uh, DeAndre Swift. But I definitely think he's second round. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's he'll be a good NFL running, like a good consistent NFL running back. And I know it's kind of hard to predict those type of things, but there's just something about this guy. Um, and, like, we've seen guys like him in the past who have gone on to do good things in the NFL. So, uh, I think he's got it. But, anyway, uh, let's go ahead. This game, I mean, incredible. Uh, Florida really – I mean, there wasn't, like, a point in this game where I thought Florida could lose this game. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I mean, even when uh, Virginia was storming back, I, I knew I, I knew Florida had it at the end. I just I, – I think the defense was too fast down the stretch, too physical down the stretch, and – I, I, Bryce Perkins played a good game. I just don't – I didn't think he could finish it out against a team like Florida. Right. Uh, so, let's go ahead and continue on to our next game and on to New Year's Eve. Uh, we had Virginia Tech and Kentucky in the Belk Bowl. And I'll what say, a game. I'll say it. I think I'm cursed. And I think that Virginia Tech really are frauds, you know. I, I said it as a joke in the last episode because I thought maybe they'd win if I said it. Uh, did not win. <laughs> and they are frauds. I, okay. All right, I'm a – Beat you to it because I, I got I got to talk about this kid. Go ahead, Lynn Bowden Jr. deserves yeah. some type of award, man. To do what he did in this game, two hundred and thirty yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and to throw a game-winning touchdown pass in the last seconds, that took absolute clutch genes, heart whatever you want to say, after one of his first passes being picked off because he's not a quarterback and just misjudged it to for the coaches to have the faith in him and for him to execute like he did and hit that last second touchdown pass, just I, I could not believe it. Because I remember I was watching this game and I lost it when he did it because I picked Virginia Tech, but uh, I ha- you have to root for this kid. Right. I mean, and if you didn't watch this game, I'm sorry. Because this was what – I mean, I think this is what we all hope for in college football games, or at least in ones that we don't have any kind of stake in or that you want your team to do this all the time. Uh, Kentucky's down by six points with – I mean, with 15 seconds left. With 15 seconds left, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., Zach just talked about it, threw a, threw a touchdown to take the lead in the game. And then with time expiring, Kentucky returned a fumble for a touchdown to seal the deal. And, I mean, that's – that's crazy to me. Yeah, uh, just absolutely insane. I mean, the literal fact that almost nobody else on the offense was getting the ball and Virginia Tech still couldn't stop this kid 
says absolutely I mean, so much crazy. about. Yeah. I mean, and to come back to the QBR thing, I, I, we're all in this this episode, guys. Lynn Bowden was six for 12, 73 yards, a touchdown to interception, and had an 83. Oh, that's so that's better than uh, the, the Bryce. Kyle Tr- and Kyle Trask, like, oh, come yeah. on. No, I come mean, on. and that's and then like his opponent, Hendon Hooker for Virginia Tech, was 12 for 22, 110 yards, some more yards, more completions. Two touchdowns and no interceptions. Only better, got a sixty. A better completion percentage too. Yeah, and only got sixty. See, that doesn't make sense. I don't. Do they take into account rushing yards? Because if they do, then I mean that would make sense. I but, guess. But that's not. I don't know. Did I mean did uh, did he break a record for like rushing yards in the Belk Bowl? I feel like he had to. Yeah, I think he did, and he also broke a record for like most. I think most rushing yards in a bowl game by an SEC player. Um, yeah, that would make sense. I mean, 233 yards on the ground is insane. You never see that. Yeah, uh, I was super, super impressed, man. I, I literally could not wait to cover this game just to give this kid a shout out. Even though, but with every shot, there's got to be some criticism. He's got to find the discipline not to punch somebody in the face before the game. <laughs> no, no. See, I think he need. I think we need more of that out of him. That was funny, bro. He just sucker punched this dude right in the mouth, man. Just and just like walked off. He was like, "What you gonna do about it?" I mean, I'm, what, I'm still gonna run for. He, he put up 233 yards and threw the game when it touched down as a wide receiver. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, but what did the other guy? What did the guy who got punched in the mouth do about it? Nothing. I don't even. I don't even know what the guy's name was, but uh, I'm assuming reason. nothing. I'm, I'm probably not what uh, you know this Garrett, kid did, but was it Garrett Schrader? <laughs> Maybe I have no idea, but uh, I'm just mind blown here. And you know, on the on the other side, Rashard Ashby for Virginia Tech uh, had a, a one heck of a game. Man, 14 tackles, assisted on a sack, had two and a half for loss, pressuring the quarterback. He had a great game, but you know, I got to give it to Kentucky, man. I mean, three for three on fourth downs, almost 50 percent third down conversion rate. Uh, 331 yards rushing and they won and they controlled the clock too man 35 minutes of possession we, we kind of highlighted this uh with the air force game if you have that much possession there's nothing the other team can do no i mean you, you control the clock you really control everything in the games yeah and you know we'll get back to Lindbaum junior junior later in the show to highlight his draft decision but next year kentucky's might be sneaky man they got joey gatewood coming in as a transfer, uh, this team's got some talent, man. I mean, uh, Stoops is doing this thing up there in Lexington, and this school may not be just a basketball school for much longer. No, I mean, and, and you know, we saw that kind of out of them last year, but they had, you know, they, I forgot his name, the running back um, who was just tearing it up last year. Uh, this Benny year, Snell. Yeah, th- yeah, Benny Snell. And this year they had, uh, uh, they had that uh, linebacker, Allen, um, just incredible as well. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see good things out of Kentucky in the future. Uh, but moving on, we have the Sun Bowl, or more specifically the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, uh, between Florida State and Arizona State. And, you know, I, I like to admit when, I, when I'm wrong. And I think Zach and I were both wrong about this. I mean, no, we, no. No, no, we both chose Arizona State, but yeah. we also chose Arizona State in a blowout. Yeah. yeah this it should have been. Uh, it should have been a blowout. 
uh, maybe he really should have been dude the other quarterback should not throw four interceptions and you not win by more than three touchdowns yeah well it happened i mean he he threw like I don't understand. I mean, they even took one back for the game-winning touchdown with 10 minutes left. Where's Brook at? Where's he at? That's what I'm saying. And not only that, he had through four interceptions. They also had two fumbles. So you have <laughs> six turnovers, and you don't blow them out. But if you look at the stats, it makes sense. because So Florida State had 470 yards compared to 282 for Arizona State. Yeah. Two hundred and I mean, ah, oh, just blows my mind. Yeah, and Arizona State. I mean, they went out to a nine nothing lead. I mean, they were winning nine to nothing at halftime. Uh, they come back from the half in the third quarter. Florida State goes up by five. Uh, uh, they scored two touchdowns in the third quarter, and then Arizona State just kind of narrowly escaped. Not narrowly. I mean, they 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 sealed the lead with like ten minutes left in the game, but they, they didn't play very well. And this game also had me nervous for a little while. Right there in the third quarter, my blood pressure started rising, and I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, uh, I, I just, I'm just still mind blown that Florida State is this. They're so undisciplined, man. It gets me like fired up because this is not the Florida State we remember from like their heyday when they were no. winning national titles, competing on the national stage. They had six turnovers, eight penalties for like 75 yards. I mean. What are you doing, man? I mean, they control time of possession. They outgained Arizona State by over 200 yards. But they were two for 16 on third down. Two for 16? You can't give me anything better than that. Yeah, sounds like the Saints today. But, um, oh, my gosh. Well, okay, so to be fair, to be fair, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, it's, it's okay because Cam Akers set out this game who was their leading rusher for the past, what, two or three years? Right. He set out, so they had a backup running back. They start James Blackman for God knows why. I mean, and I just I just was not impressed with anything about this Florida State team. And Mike Norval might have made a downgrade taking this Florida State job from Memphis. No, I mean, I understand that's a Power 5 job, but if you've watched Florida State in the past couple of years, I mean, they finished 6-7 and seven this season. You know, that's the dangerous thing about, about uh, getting into a bowl game when you're 6-6. Six six. You still have a chance of having a losing record, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, he lost his first game against an Arizona State team who hasn't been, like, wildly impressive this year. I'll give him props. So, the 8-5, and five, pretty damn good compared to where Arizona State's been in the past. I mean, uh, you know, Herm Edwards has been doing his thing out there. Well, yeah, when you have Herm Edwards, uh, I mean – and people want to go to Arizona State. That's another thing. I mean, I know it's in Arizona, so that's kind of gross. But, I mean, it's a big school. Uh, people want to go there. So, and, and they got some recruits coming, man. They got some dogs coming to play out there. And um, yeah, I, I think I think if you're an 18 year old choosing his school, and and Herm Edwards comes to your house and he's like, "Hey, you can come to Arizona State for free and just party like <laughs> nobody's business." Uh, well, he he probably didn't say that, but they know. And then you're going to go to Arizona State. I mean, if he would have come to my house and said that to me, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow." <laughs> They've just offered you a thing in Natty Light. Yeah, sounds good. Anyway, so this game, I don't know. I mean, hey, shout out to dousing the coach of cereal, though. <laughs> that's crazy. To celebrate right? that's that's wild, insane. Um, that 
you just said cereal and it reminded me. The uh, did you see the the Gene Simmons thing where he puts ice cubes in his cereal? Uh, that, uh, that's disgusting. Absolute insane move. Only an insane <laughs> person would do that. If you do that, stop. I'm not for cancel culture, but that is canceled immediately. Yeah, <laughs> canceled. And shout out to this Arizona State kicker real quick because <laughs> he, I mean, he he got it done. This guy, he kicked four field goals. He he scored more than half of their points. Yeah, I mean, hey, got to step up, man. Everyone talks crap about the kickers when they miss. This kid was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I hope yeah, he won he, MVP. He should have. If he didn't, that's a shame. I'll be um, upset. We'll get him on the podcast. We'll give him our MVP, Christian Zendejas. That's, anyway, let's go. go ahead and move on to the next game. Uh, so moving forward, we had in the Liberty Bowl, Navy and Kansas State. And Navy did their thing again. This was another good – this was another great game. This bowl season, yeah. for some reason, has just been different. It seems like there's just – I mean, football this year has been different because this playoff for the NFL has been insane. For the NFL has been insane. Um, the bowl games for the NCAA have been insane. So, I mean, let's talk about it. Navy uh, – I mean, they played their minds. Uh, they played out of their mind. They won in, like – the last couple of seconds field goal. It's just, this is a crazy game. Yeah, no doubt. And I don't know how many times we're going to have to talk about on the podcast before all these, you know, players that listen uh, here. Um, you cannot allow a team to hold the ball for 35 to 40 minutes <laughs> in a game and win. Like who, uh, why, I, I'm just, go ahead, man. I don't even know. I'm so fired up about that because I watched this game. As y'all know, I go to Kansas State, so um, I just – I don't know what happened. I mean, this team has run the ball so well every all year, and they muster up 46 yards on 27 attempts. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough look. A um, cool Chris, 1.7 <laughs> yards. Right. Uh, Skylar Thompson didn't play bad in this one, um, but, I mean – he didn't play great. Not great. I mean, ten for fourteen is not terrible, though. I can't. I can't be mad at him for that. Ten for fourteen, yeah, but one hundred twenty-four yards. I guess. Yeah, I guess you could be mad about that. But yeah. Malcolm Perry, this guy, he's uh, such a stud. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, he's so fast too. Like, I don't think. I think he has a chance to go to the NFL. Um, like, like he maybe better. Like, maybe like an undrafted, like late round pick. He won't be a quarterback. This, I mean, he'll be. He should be a slot receiver, man. That's what I'm saying. Like this guy, he's so fat, or like a like a backup running back, or something. Kind of like a, um, I don't know, like a, I don't, oh, I forgot. I'm blanking on this guy's name, but just like a really fast running back is basically what I'm saying. Boo. Not that, yeah, boo, Brandon, unprepared. Um, this was off the dome, <laughs> by the way. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can see him as a slot receiver. This guy can move too. That's I mean. Do we know how lucky K State is that this game was a three point game? Uh, very uh, is what I dude, would say. Navy outgained them four hundred and twenty one yards to a hundred and seventy yards. Yeah, yeah. They ran for three twenty three, and K State had a turnover, and K State was one for eight on third down. If I gave you the score and gave you that stat, that was all you need to know. One for eight on third down. Kansas State could not stay on the field. And when you when you play a team like Navy that dominates time of possession, that's that's a wrap. There is nothing more you can do 
if you cannot control the ball and just keep giving it back to Navy because Navy every single every single possession is going to be a five minutes or more just about right. Um, and, and I just want to give a quick shout out to the to the line makers here because they gave Navy a, a, a minus two on this game, so the spread was Navy minus two. I don't know what game is being won by two points. Uh, so that was free money right there. The over-under was 54, and if you didn't choose the under on this game, then you've never watched a Navy football game in your life. Uh, so, I mean, this was just a free money game, which I appreciate, uh, I, as do most of our listeners, I can assume. I mean, and can we also just give a shout-out to Navy's uh, offensive coordinator for calling the most ballsy play to end the game? On fourth and three with 20 seconds left, you hand it off to your running back and let him throw downfield. Insane. Insane. As, a na- as in your Navy, you trust someone to throw the ball? Yeah, right, right. To, to, to set you up with a 23-yard field goal? To, to, oh, man, that was, that was just absolutely wonderful. I wasn't rooting for Navy because I picked Kansas State, and I go here, so I guess I'll, they'll kick me out of if I don't root for Kansas State, which most of the time I, I most of the time I don't, but it was just it was a it was an amazing play call, and that was one of the play calls of bowl season for me because no one saw it coming because who would have thought Navy was going to throw the ball and definitely throw the ball on fourth and three? Yeah, no, no one did. I mean, I mean, their quarterback didn't even throw. How many yards did he throw for this game? He threw for like uh, fifty-seven. Yeah, fifty-seven on seven attempts. I mean, he had five completions. So for the running back to throw a pass, that that came out of nowhere. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, this game was incredible. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much else to say about that. We have the Arizona Bowl, which. Like I said, it was going to be a punishment for both of these teams. Uh, we had Wyoming and Georgia State in this one. I had Wyoming, and I think I had Wyoming by a million, and that's exactly what it was. They won by they won by three touchdowns. Yeah, and shout out to um, Xavier and uh, Valade. I mean, two hundred and four yards on the ground, man. Almost an eight and a half yard, you know, per eight and a half yards per carry. A touchdown. The kid was unstoppable, and when they weren't running the ball, Levi Williams was putting it in the end zone. He wasn't very efficient, but he had 230 yards and three touchdowns, and that's all they needed. Yeah, I mean, for Xavier Valade to have 204 yards on the ground, but also 91 yards receiving, I mean, this guy, I mean, really a stud. Uh, He was averaging 30 yards a catch, man. Dude, I, I well, I want to know what his long catch was because sixty-three yards. Yeah, that's why. That, you know. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he scored on a just a. I, I believe no, he didn't score. That's right. He set them up uh, early in the game for a touchdown. But yeah, he just broke it. And you know, when you compare it to you know what happened with Georgia State, who had a pretty good offense all year. But their defense just gave out, man. Well, when you allow 524 yards and you're and the team you're playing is 11 for 17 on third down, while you're a measly three for 13, that's not a recipe to win a single game. No, I mean, and this game wasn't. I'm, like, this wasn't even that good of a game. I know I just went on like a whole rant about how good this bowl season's been. Uh, I've been very wishy-washy on saying that. But I mean, other than uh, I mean, past the first five minutes in the in the game, this game just wasn't close. Uh, Georgia State went out to a seven point lead to start the game. Uh, they ended up, I mean, letting up what was it, seventeen points unanswered. Yeah. And I mean, by halftime, it was twenty four to ten Wyoming. 
Wyoming sealed it. I mean, at the end of the third quarter, it was the final score. I mean, it was 38-17. So, that's – like, the fourth quarter might as well just not have existed. Yeah. And I don't know how many of y'all actually watched this game. I watched not probably until the third quarter, and I was I just didn't. like, I'm out. I'm out. Uh, I can't do it, bro. I just – Wyoming and Georgia State that, that just doesn't do it for me, especially the way Wyoming – I mean, yeah. I mean, and Wyoming really should have won this game by more. I mean, if you really watch this game, Wyoming was the better team by – leaps and bounds yeah leaps and bounds that's that's what we're gonna say now because we're 75 years old um, yeah no i see this game was on at like 3 30 and i just i don't know I, I had better things to do like watch the navy kansas state game i didn't yeah. watch this game beat up not dedicated again. i mean it was it was, it was it was new year's eve yeah I'm, I'm in my early 20s i feel like i feel like i had a pass on this one i did watch the next game <laughs> Uh, we'll talk uh, about that. I'm not going to move on no. yet. I'm not going to move on yet. I was going to say, please, dude, I'm about to throw up. No, see, I'm going to cover the next game. I'll, I'll postpone that one as much as possible, I promise. Um, but Wyoming, like I said before this game, this was the game that I said I don't know anything about either one of these teams other than Georgia State played Tennessee and that Wyoming produced Josh Allen. Now, those were the only two things I knew. Um, so I went with Wyoming in this one. Why not? They're the Cowboys, I think. You know, I hate the other Cowboys in the NFL, but I, I have to appreciate a good Cowboy logo with the, bron- with the bucking Bronco and the guy with his hat off. That's good visual on the podcast. You know how we like to do these videos on here. So um, good for you, Wyoming. I, I like what you did there. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't – I picked Georgia State. I don't have anything to say other than I was completely wrong about this game. Yeah, just say sorry. That's all you have to say. There you go. Bad beats, part one, (laughs) right here. Yeah. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on. The dreaded – we don't even want to talk about this game. I don't even want to say who this game was between. I don't even want to say the name of this bowl game. But I have to. It's it's my job, I think, or at least part of it. Uh, We had the Alamo Bowl uh, between Utah and Hornstown, Texas. Uh, The Pac-12 is just not good. Right, that's all Dude, I, I mean, say about the, the Big 12 isn't good either. This is the only bowl game the Big 12 won. Yeah. Um, At least Oregon won the Rose Bowl, which we'll cover next episode. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. I so. mean, I don't want to talk about uh, that game either, actually. So we don't. I do because your boy was right again. But. Uh, dude, Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss have just let me down so much. I mean, only mustering 126 yards on 23 attempts. He had a touchdown. Great. Zach Moss, what happened? He just didn't show up. I mean, he had 16 carries for 57 yards. That's – I mean, you're averaging like – what is that? Like like 2.5 yards a carry maybe? It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what – I mean, you can't really do anything with that. No, he had 57 yards and his long run was 26 yards. See, that's that's way worse. Texas' yep. defense, I mean, they showed up. And what I really want to talk about is uh, is Texas' run game because Ingram, the running back from Texas that we've been talking about just being terrible all year. Got, he came out, man. I mean, 108 yards and a touchdown. That's uh, Over 100 yards in this game is absolute. It's against Utah's defense. It's insane. That just yeah. doesn't make sense. I don't, this Utah defense has let me down, man. They play good all year, and then you give up 438 yards to Texas? Yeah, that's, that's terrible. 
Maybe one. Come throw on, up. man. I might throw up. I mean, I, I'm. We still have a lot of time on this game. Uh, I could throw up. You might hear that live on the podcast. That'll be a good treat for everybody. Um, Sam Ellinger, I, I, what mediocre is what I'll say. Mediocre out of Sam Ellinger. That's what we've seen all year. It's yep. just and, and he he only plays good in bowl games, dude. Literally, this Texas team only shows up in meaningless bowl games. Yeah, you won the Sugar Bowl, you won the Alamo Bowl, but you can't beat Oklahoma when it counts. You can't win the Big 12. You can't win a national championship. You're not back till you really do something. Winning the Alamo Bowl means nothing. It's going to be horns down for life. Uh, see, when you lose to two out of the four teams that were in the playoff this year, uh, you can't say that you're back. I mean, you don't win anything meaningful. Uh, you went eight and five, and that's including a bowl game. It's just – I don't know if you guys can tell. I don't like Texas very much. As a matter of fact, in the middle of this game on New Year's Eve, I texted Zach and said, hey, check my Twitter, because I tweeted the words, I hate Texas. Um, I might, He I'm, almost didn't do the podcast, guys. He, you guys are lucky y'all got this episode because he almost did not do this. I almost didn't. No, I, I gave up football. I'm giving up football – until uh, next a week from today, until next Monday night, uh, when LSU hopefully puts a whooping on Clemson. But uh, I gave it up. I'm not going to watch it anymore. Not well. I probably will, but for right now, I'm giving it up. I might just hibernate for a week. We'll see. Oh man, it's just I, I don't even know what to say about this game. The, the Texas. Okay, so like just biases aside and everything. To, true analysis of this game like I saw it Texas looked light years better than Utah man I mean they from the jump ran Utah straight off the field man I mean when they were up 17 nothing I was like man they might shut them out like for real I mean this is getting ugly I mean Utah had no answer for anything this Texas defense was swarming uh, I just – I don't know what happened to Utah. I don't know if they were pissed, not motivated from losing the Pac-12 championship. But Texas came out here and put it on them, man. Yeah, they did. I mean, it wasn't close all game. Uh, halftime, it was 10 to nothing Texas, which, I mean, normally a 10-point lead at halftime. Like, that's pretty good. It's not, like, overly <laughs> impressive. Um, but, I mean, when, when you're – when the team you're playing against has zero points on the board, that's – I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, so, how much do you know about the Alamo Dome? Uh, I'll be honest with you, not much. All right. So, it was in San Antonio. So, this is pretty much a home game for Texas. Yeah, it's like an so, hour away or less. So, it's listed the capacity of this place is 36,000, right? Yeah. What, what do you, the attendance was listed is 60,000. What? They, like, like – like, what do you mean? The oh, I'm looking at that now. <laughs> I don't like that. That's that's like twice the capacity. There, someone called the fire marshal because something went wrong. <laughs> okay, no, okay. So the actual capacity is sixty four thousand. Okay. okay, so so okay. So apparently they can shrink it and expand it. So sixty four thousand. So they all. So it's technically they sold it out, I guess, but. I don't know how you expand it by that much. I don't know how it ranges from like 30-something to 72, but that's a different story. I was just really confused. They must play like basketball in Alamo Dome. Yeah, no kidding, because I was so confused. This is a capacity 36,000. It was attendance 60, and I was like, where did they, where did they sit? Like, <laughs> They're just outside like looking, like looking in windows at the game. 
<laughs> they just I was like, I watched this whole game. There was not that many people on the sidelines. Like, no. what is going on, bro? I was like, do they count the players? Like, <laughs> what? What's going on here? Were there 25,000 players on the field? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, man, I must have been messed up New Year's Eve. <laughs> no, but, I mean, but this, this, I mean, the stands were orange. That's, that's, yeah. that's a fact. And, and Texas's defense, five sacks to 13 tackles for loss. I mean, they were all over Huntley. They were in the backfield constantly. So shout out to Texas on this game. I got to give it to them. But let's just hold off to say you guys are back until y'all beat someone next year when it really counts. Yeah, until the next team you beat didn't lose to USC under Clay Helton. Uh, hold off on saying you're back. So um, let's go ahead and move on from pick six. Uh, and right now we're going to go ahead and move into our first team all decade. Uh, for this episode, we have center and punter. So I'll go ahead and let Zach uh, kick us off with center. Um there was a lot of steep competition for this one, and I'll get on my rant later about it. But uh, Zach, go ahead and go ahead and tell me who who you had there. Yeah, I went another bias. I've I've tried to hide my biases this whole time. Only picked one other Auburn player. Uh, Brandon's picked a few LSU players, um, but I'm picking uh, Reese Dismukes. Played from 2011 to 2014 for Auburn. Started every single game of his career at Auburn for all four years. He was the all, he was on the SEC All-Freshman Team, CBS Freshman All-American. Um, first center to start at Auburn in like five years, I think. Uh, his second year starting, um, he was on the Remington watch list. Third year starting, finished second in the Remington voting. Third team All-American, first team All-SEC. He led the SEC in knockdowns and graded more than 90% the entire season. One. SEC Player of the Week honor, Offensive Lineman of the Week honors multiple times. In his senior year, he finally won the Remington. He came in second in the Outland Trophy, which is just the best interior lineman. First team All-SEC, first team uh, coaches and AP All-American. Uh, consensus first team All-American, my bad. I should have said that instead go. of, you know, being wow. uh, stupid. Uh, he also – Came uh, was in the voting for the uh, Rotary Lombardi Award. Uh, you know he has the most career starts among SEC uh, linemen. I mean, second most starts in Auburn history. I mean, can I just keep going? I mean, that's that's pretty stout, man. Yeah, uh, I mean, sure, I guess. Uh, sick brag being a homer here, but for my pick for center. Um, I wanted to run my pick by Zach first to see what he thought about this. And so my original pick was going to be Barrett Jones, uh, the Alabama center. Uh, everyone knows him as a center, but Zach chose him as a tackle. And he beat out um, Cam Robinson for the best tackle on the Blue Bloods uh, all-decade te- all team. And we figured there's only one Barrett Jones, so we probably shouldn't have him, have him twice on that all-decade team. <laughs> so instead, uh, I picked Pat Elfleen or whatever it is. I, I don't know. He played for Ohio State from 2013 to 2016. Uh, started every single game there. Um, anyway, I mean, I, I you know I'm not going to go through all the stats like Zach because you know you you know who we're going to pick here. Um, it's got to be my guy. It's got to be the guy who won the nat. He's got to be the guy who won the natty uh, in 2014. 
Yeah, we're not talking oh, about that. That's, yeah. I'm, he, uh, dog, Dismukes won what? An SEC championship and went to the national championship? And did he win? Oh, that does. It, I mean, maybe. I think it matters. Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's it, it depends on who you ask. Okay. Yeah, that, that game was real tough for Zach. Um, I think that I texted him right after halftime. I was like, hey, let's go out after this. We're going to go get some – we're going to go with you to get your Auburn National Championship T-shirt. Turns out he didn't end up to get that, but a couple kids in Ghana did. So, shout out to them. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, Pat – You got to be like that for real. Uh, and I mean, it's just – that's a fact. I mean, what do you want me to say? Yeah, am I going to sit here and lie to people? No. Uh, um, maybe. The Blue Bloods. So, anyway, Pat Elfling, um, uh, I mean, what else do you want me to say? He was a Remington Award winner in 2016, and also in 2016, he uh, he was a All-American. Um, I mean, that's all I got. I'm not going to sit here and run through all the stats with Zach, but that's that's just how it goes. Hey, it's all good, bro. I was more prepared. My guy had more stuff to read off. So, you guys, you guys know how to vote. Vote your boy Reese Dismukes for uh, All Decade Center. This will be going up um, a little bit after the episode comes out. We have a lot of votes to catch up on. So, you guys will have votes all week. So, keep voting. You guys have been doing a hell of a job with that. So, definitely y'all will decide this one for us. But remember, my guy had more awards and stats than Brandon's. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Let's so, go ahead and move on to punter. <laughs> and Zach gets to lead this one off, too, because I don't want to. Uh, let me see, guys. Your boy's more dedicated, more prepared. Okay. I got Tom Hackett there you from go. Utah. Um, uh, I think he's the only player ever to win back-to-back Ray Guy awards. You'd be wrong about that, actually. Who who else won back-to-back? Uh, my guy did, so continue. Okay. So he won back-to-back Ray Guy awards, 2014 to 15. Uh, Consistence All-American both years. Uh, just, I mean, what else do you want me to go into? I mean, he led the NCAA in punt yards in 2014, led the Pac-12 for two of his three years, or two, yeah, two of his three actual years. His first year he didn't really play. Uh, all time, he's top 20 NCAA in punting, punting yards per punt, second career, second um, all time in Pac-12. I mean, which, what, what do you want me to say? I mean, the kid, the guy was amazing. Uh, Played from 2012 to 2015. I mean, punted for over 3,000 yards in two years and was at 2,900 his senior year. His average was over 40 all every year except his freshman year where he only had a few punts. I mean, for his career, he punted for almost 11,000 yards at a 45-yard average. That's pretty stout. So I'm going with Tom Hackett here. Tom Hackett was my second-place vote here. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with OG, Zach. I'm going to have to go with Ryan Allen out of Louisiana Tech, the first punter to ever win back-to-back Ray Guy Awards. Uh, he won in 2011 and 2012. In those two seasons, he racked up 3,900 punt yards and 2100, or 20, almost or nearly 2,200 punt yards, but that was only on 45 punts. And that year, he averaged 48 yards a punt. Uh, I know that Ryan Hackett did that. Uh, what year was it? In 2015? Senior. Yeah, senior yeah, year. So uh, he had more punts, more yards that year. But anyway, um, they averaged the same. Uh, I mean, back-to-back Ray Guy awards. You know, that's the reason I had both of these guys on my list. I, don't, I really don't think you can go wrong with either one of these. But 
uh, I went with Ryan Allen because he was the he was the first one to ever do it. So that was that's a pretty sick accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, I, so whichever got whichever got you guys vote definitely definitely cannot go wrong because See, this is one of those votes that name name recognition isn't really going to help out a lot because if you just go ask the uh, the casual college football fan who Ryan Allen or Tom Hackett are, then uh, they might give you like a funny look or something. Yeah, like I, that is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I won't be surprised if absolutely no one knows what you. What you guys listen to the episode first, make y'all's choices for this one because name recognition will not help y'all make a decision <laughs> at all. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to our final segment. I don't even know what to call it, uh, but we're going to re- we're going to look over a couple of players that have already declared for the draft. Some of those who decided to come back to college. Etc. And Zach, go ahead and lead us off on this because you've done a lot of research on this. Yeah, so we have a lot of these. This will be like two hour. I'm just messing with y'all. So we've already kind of previewed a few of these. So I'll go through just some obvious ones. So Cam Akers, Florida State, he declared, set out the bowl game, which I think really hurt Florida State. And I think his departure is a big deal for Florida State. Uh, they don't have a lot of talent, man. Their recruiting has not been up to par with other schools that, you know, they expect to compete with. So I think a, a departure like Cam Akers could really hurt this team and is a really big loss for Mike Norval in his first year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, losing Cam Akers is, I mean, obviously huge for this Florida State team. Uh, I, I mean, it's just that it's, it's almost devastating, really, when you think about uh, – you know, when you think about the players they do have, um, when you think about the recruits that are coming in, because, I mean, these aren't really uh, these aren't really his recruits yet. I mean, I understand that they got some of them while he was there, but he wasn't actively recruiting all year for Florida State. Mm. So having players yeah. that aren't returning like that, it's just that that's going to hurt. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I, 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 when I when I heard his announcement I was kind of upset because I think him and the system Mike Norval's bringing in is huge yeah um but the next we highlighted him this episode he's one of my favorite players in college football Lynn Bowden Jr. Kentucky uh wide receiver running back quarterback whatever you want to classify him has declared for the NFL draft I Crazy think this kid I think I, I don't know I like it but part of me thinks that it's 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 a weird move it's a weird move, but I think I don't think, you know, knowing that someone like Gatewood's coming in and all these play, I mean, they have a pretty good recruiting class coming in. Is he really going to have a better year at wide receiver than he did doing everything this year? No, you're right. That's a good point. And someone, you know, it's too bad for uh, for him that the Saints already have Taysom Hill, who kind of does everything. Because if they didn't, I think Sean Payton would be all over this guy. Um, and maybe after today, we'll see more. We'll see more organizations wanting a guy like Taysom Hill who can kind of do it all. So, uh, yeah, and I think he could be an amazing, just you know, slot receiver slash wildcat quarterback, like you said. Like I, I think this kid's got a future in the NFL. I, I really do. I think he might need to put a little bit of size on him, but he has all the talent dedication and just clutch clutchness to be a real contributor to any NFL team yeah he does he has that clutch I mean we saw it on that game winning touchdown pass right so next I mean some two two Ohio State players both declare for the NFL we got J.K. Dobbins and Chase Young yeah Uh, that's I mean who didn't see that coming though yeah no I mean and this goes back to people 
jumping on stories before they fully developed. The people who said Chase Young was probably going to come back literally do not understand football and jumped on a story that was not fully finished and took some misquotes from Chase Young and flipped it to make it seem like he was coming back. There's no reason either these kids should waste another year in college football. No, absolutely not. I mean, they both have bright futures in the NFL. Um, I mean, Chase Young's going to be a top, probably a top two draft pick. So that's maybe maybe if top drops, one if the Bengals if, decide that they want to uh, mess something else up. So if he drops out of the top two, I'll be shook. Yeah, I, I mean, unless someone's like trading into the top two for some reason. Yeah, then I don't see him dropping out of it at all. No, and I can see a team trading up for him. Yeah, yeah I could too personally. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah, I mean, can you put a real value on a defensive end like Chase Young? I mean, he's the next Clowney. He's, I mean, I think he has more potential than Javion Clowney does. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, he's had he's had a better college career, I think. I mean, Javion Clowney had an amazing uh, college career, but Chase Young. I mean, being able to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony that 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 just speaks numbers for him. Yeah, and. You know, this one kind of breaks my heart because I think he should have came back. Uh, Jacob Eason, quarterback yeah. for Washington, has declared declared for the NFL draft. I don't think that's a smart move. I think he should have came back one more year. No, he'll be – I mean, where would you even rank him in this draft class with quarterbacks? Uh, let's see. So, I mean, you would have to put Tua. You would have to put Joe Burrow. You would have to put uh, Justin Herbert. Tua is not uh, declared yet, though. Remember that. Yeah, I know. I'm just assuming he's probably – if he declares, I would say probably fifth at best because you have Jordan Love best. too. Right. So, I mean, that's – I mean, we're looking at – we're looking at like later rounds here for Jacob Eason. Um, he's not going to be a first-round draft. He probably won't be a second-round draft. I mean, he's going to go later on. He's going to be a backup for a little while at least. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, and I don't even – I understand he's a good quarterback for sure. I don't know if he really has, like, that it factor to where he's going to be a starting NFL quarterback. I think I'd go back if I were him for sure. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, I just I, – I just uh, – he didn't have the year that I think he could have. I mean, coming back and playing one more year, I mean, what's, what's the worst that could happen, man? I mean, I don't Maybe know. Maybe get hurt. But, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. We'll see. But I didn't agree with it. This guy, I think, has a bright feature, too. K.J. Hamler for Penn State declared oh, for the draft. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this kid's going to get drafted. I mean, he he might – I mean, I, I personally think he's first-round talent. Um, we'll see where he gets drafted, I guess. But uh, great decision out of this guy. I mean, he's not going to get another – I mean, he had an incredible year this year. and. You know, that's with Penn State's passing game. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the NFL for him. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think I, th- I think he knows coming back one more year to in an offense that really doesn't push the ball down the field like it should, I think this was a very smart decision to get out when he could. Right, absolutely. But next, we're going to highlight a series of players all from the same school. A lot has been made about Alabama players coming back. What does that speak about Tua? Well, as we were on the podcast, Henry Ruggs officially declared he's going to the draft. So he joins Jerry Judy, the other wide, another wide receiver for Alabama, 
uh, Jedrick Willis, who was the other offensive tackle, Xavier and Xavier McKinney have all who was the safety who got his head knocked off in the Iron Bowl, but it was a all SEC safety. All of these players have declared for the draft. And as of Tua right now, still hasn't. Tua wants to wait for that press conference to tell everybody he's coming back. So, yeah. So in that, so we we're recording on January fifth. That will be the day this episode comes out. Like, so if you're listening right now, if you're listening before twelve p.m., it is supposed to happen at twelve p.m. For what I've read, I mean, it's my sources, and I can't reveal my sources. I can't even reveal them to Zach, but they're telling me he's coming back, and it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's a stupid decision. We'll get into that. Well, we have an episode that we're recording tomorrow for you guys that will come out on Tuesday. We'll have all the breakdown of Tua's big decision, so don't worry about that. But, I mean, I think Judy and Ruggs are huge losses, and I definitely think Jedrick Willis is a huge loss. I mean, he was an anchor of this offensive line, and we'll get into some people who Alabama have coming back, but I, I, I think too much is being made about people coming back and leaving for Alabama. I don't know how much effect that has on – other players because if it had that big of effect judy rugs and willis all should be coming back since they're on the offense yeah i mean you'd think so but uh, i mean think about the kind of talent that alabama has constantly coming in i mean they're not i mean obviously it's going to hurt them a little bit losing a receiver like jerry judy who's going to be probably a top five pick in the draft easily Uh, but i mean i mean other than that i i know that henry rugs is a great wide receiver um but Alabama has these wide receivers coming in like it's nothing. I mean, they have quarterbacks coming in like it's nothing. They have – I mean, look what Mac Jones did in in his bowl game. I I mean, no one – who heard of Mac Jones before he came to Alabama if you're not an Alabama fan? Not a single person. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And this guy, just incredible talent, and he's sitting behind Tua because Tua is just that good. Um, just to prove my point that Alabama just has this talent coming in constantly. That's the case for any like major program. I mean, they're always going to have somebody to come in and replace the next man. You know, they may, you may never be able to replace like a Julio Jones or a, uh, or Jerry Judy, but they're going to, they're going to find another five-star wide receiver to come in. Yeah. Uh, uh, thousand percent um but one more person who has decided to leave and then we'll get into some people who stayed we have cd lamb for oklahoma no one is surprised no he, he declared to. for the draft he'll be a top 10 pick maybe a right. top 15 if he, the right team you know doesn't get him. but I, I so i'm a little torn because he should have left because he's, he's just that good but i think man imagine his draft stock if he waits for judy and these other wives they were to leave he plays in it. He plays in a system with Lincoln Riley, where they have a kid like Spencer Rattler about to take the starting job, who can sling the ball and isn't Jalen Hurts, who has problems pushing the ball down the field. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, there's no certainty saying that Lincoln Riley is going to be there next season. That's um, true. I mean, the Cowboys' job. They officially fired Jason Garrett today, which shocked to me. I thought that happened when we were recording the old <laughs> podcast when I reported it to everybody, but. Uh, apparently they officially fired him today. So um, that job's open right now. There's a ton of other NFL jobs. I know Lincoln Riley's being targeted for a lot of them. So uh, th- so there's no promise that he's coming back. Plus, he's had a great year. I mean, it's not like he's going to fall too far. I mean, like you said, he's a top 10 pick, probably, maybe top 15. Um, but he's going in, in the first half of the first round, I think. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you have that basically guaranteed – uh, I mean, he's not going to be a number one overall pick. 
So I, no, I think definitely I think not. Idea to go. Yeah, a thousand percent. So, so just a few players who are coming back: C.J. Verdell, Oregon running back, ran for like two hundred yards in the Pac-12 championship. He has announced that he is officially returning to school for one more year, and I think this is absolutely huge for Oregon. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, this is just. I mean, we saw what he did this year. Um, uh, this guy can play. So it's going to be great for Oregon. I think it's going to be good for him, too. Uh, he has a better chance to improve his numbers. You know, this Oregon team was good this year. I don't think they were great. Uh, maybe a year will change that. We don't know. You know, they have this recruiting class coming in. Uh, we'll see what they can do, I guess. Yeah, and, I mean, losing Justin Herbert, it's always good to have an experienced running back to lean on early in the season as you're breaking in a new new starting quarterback. Right, exactly. Um, and so uh, the next one is Sean Wade for Ohio State. He was the safety that got ejected for the helmet-to-helmet hit on uh, on Trevor Lawrence in the Ooh. semifinal game. Ooh. And he is officially coming back. He said he has something to prove. So Sean Wade will be back to anchor the secondary next year at Ohio State. And, again, I think this is a great thing because, I mean, they're losing a lot of other ta- – Ohio State's losing a lot of talent, especially Chase Young. To have someone in the back end that could that is a playmaker like this kid, uh, I think uh, I think a day in the rest of this coaching staff is really really happy with this. Oh, they have to be. I mean, this kid was incredible all year. Um, that was kind of a I didn't think it was a great call to eject him in in the Fiesta Bowl, but uh, I mean that was a whole game changer. I mean, I went on a whole rant about that about how that changed the outcome of the game because I think if he's in. Uh, certain key plays by Clemson aren't made because he's just that good. And now I don't know if it's a smart move on his part, but I mean, I'm not in his shoes. I don't really know what he's thinking, so I'm not going to bash him for that. Uh, but it's definitely going to be great for Ohio state next year. Yeah. I'm in. Absolutely. And so another one, this was kind of uh, like, this one is, not, maybe not big to some people, but I think it'll be big for a new coach in the SEC. Um, Rakeem Boyd is coming back to Arkansas for one more year. I mean, he was up there in uh, rushing yards in the SEC this year. And for a new coach, Sam Pittman, coming from Georgia, to lean on a senior running back with SEC experience is huge. Yeah, I think so too. And I think this is actually a smart move because – I mean, where was he going to go in the draft? If he if probably he fourth or fifth round, if that. Right. So he's got another year. I mean, he's not losing anything here. Um, he has everything to gain, nothing to lose. I think it's a good move. Yeah. And then one last person before we get to the wrap up with Alabama, Talon Wallace, Oklahoma State, coming back, and there are a lot of rumors that Chuba Hubbard is also on his way back to Stillwater. This team's going to be scary. They got to get a new quarterback, but this team's going to be scary. And I think even Spencer Sanders, if he could just clean up the interceptions, I have no problem with that kid. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's the key thing. Can he clean up these interceptions? Because I mean, this uh, is his first ever year starting, so I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe, but so the last ones we'll cover two Alabama players that have announced are coming back, and Dylan Moses and Alex Leatherwood. Moses is a he was an all-SEC player preseason, tore his ACL in August, 
this kid, who's a projected first-round pick anyway, coming back to anchor the inside of Saban's defense. And then Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle, protecting Tua or Mac Jones or Bryce Young, whoever starts next year, will be coming back. He was a projected top 15 pick. Both of these are just huge pickups. You talk about the talent Alabama rolls in every year, but experience from talented players like this is unmatched in the SEC. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I don't really like this move by Leatherwood. Um, like you said, he, he was going to have a pretty high draft pick just because, I mean, NFL teams are always needing these offensive linemen uh, because offensive linemen have such a short stint in the NFL most of the time. So he would have been with the team for, I mean, he probably, he might, he had a chance to be with the same team for his entire career. He's just that good. Um, but he's coming back, you know, I, like I said, I don't know what's, I don't know what he's thinking. Um, he's obviously got his reasons and I'm not going to sit here and bash a college kid for that. Uh, I understand Dylan, Dylan Moses' decision a million percent though. I mean, he's coming back from an injury. He didn't have this season to, I mean, he didn't have the season to play. You know, he got hurt preseason. So uh, he has to have something left to uh, be able to even get drafted. Because I don't know if he would have been drafted if he would have declared. Yeah. And I just got to ask you, man, have you been following the latest on Zachary Evans? No, I haven't really, honestly. Um, apparently, it's there is a strong trend now that he is committing to Texas A&M. Okay. I mean, that's gross, but better than Georgia, I think. Yeah, but I just – I don't understand what is going on with this kid's recruitment, man. Well, he's from uh, Houston, so I kind of understand. Like, So before he went back to Georgia – so for anyone who doesn't know this story, I've been talking with Zach about it for a little while now. But basically, um, this kid was – I mean, he's a five-star running back. He's like the number one running back in this, in this uh, recruiting class. And originally, he was committed to Georgia, like up until I think November or October – he was committed to Georgia. Um, then I think I think he he decommitted. He wasn't committed to anybody, and he's still not. He's still not committed. Um, but you know, when he decommitted from Georgia, there were rumors that like uh, I can't remember what it was. It was something about Georgia not pursuing him hard enough or something. That was the rumor. And then um, you know, I think the crystal ball had him at like eighty percent or like eighty six or something like that. Something crazy for Texas A&M for like the first two, three, four weeks. Um, then it all of a sudden flipped to LSU and then it flipped to Georgia. And now it's back to Texas A&M. I mean, the kids from Houston, I understand the choice to go to Texas A&M, but there's something going on. I just don't know what it is. It's going to be crazy when it comes out though. Yeah. I cannot wait, but yeah, that is a wrap on this episode, guys. It was a longer episode. We had a lot to talk about, um, but I mean, hopefully we caught you guys up with all the, declaring or staying and we catch culture with a little bit of recruiting trying to catch you up with a wrap up with all these bowl games so we've been putting in a lot of work we're almost done with all decade team uh defense will be we're done with the defense i'll be coming out on social media as this episode is released which will be the sixth on monday and we have uh multiple episodes for you guys coming out this week including our national championship preview which is going to be huge and i literally cannot wait for yeah, for sure. Um, so keep following us on social media. Keep listening to the podcast. Recommend it to whoever you can. Uh, the listens really mean everything to us. Uh, that's really, I mean, 
I've said it before. If we didn't have listeners, we'd probably still put something out just because this is what we love to do, but we do have listeners. Uh, and we've got, we, you know, we've built that number up a little bit. So that's, that's always good and motivating for us. Um, but follow our socials that way you're able to vote on these polls. Um, yeah. Zach, plug those real quick for us. Yeah. Instagram at the underscore blue bloods, uh, Facebook, at the Blue Bloods pod and Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. Polls will be on Facebook. Polls will be on Instagram. Um, you know, help us put up our Twitter. Twitter's lacking Facebook and Instagram murdering it. You guys are awesome. You guys are interacting. Our, our percent like interacting or whatever that is, is out the, out the roof and uh, shout out to you guys for that. And you guys are the best. Yeah. So uh, shout out to you guys. Like I said, keep listening, keep subscribing, and until next time, we're out.